Welcome to the Foundations Conference. Very welcome indeed. The theme verse of this conference is, has always been Acts 6-4, where the apostles say, in the midst of an increasingly distracted early church, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Giving ourselves to prayer and to the Word. Prayer and preaching. So, we believe these to be the foundations of ministry. Prayer and the Word. That's why we call it the Foundations Conference. So my name is Stephen Lee. I'm the founder of Sermon Audio. And a little bit of background. Sermon Audio is a website. It's dedicated to the propagation and preservation of sound Bible preaching all over the world. We are presently the largest site of its kind with over 2 million sermons that can be searched by church, by preacher, by topic, by book, chapter, and verse. We are approaching, by God's grace, our 22nd year of operation. We broadcast sermons for thousands of churches and ministries, and to date we've served up almost 400 million sermons worldwide at a rate of over 3 million downloads per month. With all of this free, accessible, and abundant Preaching going out all over the world, you would think we should be living in the single greatest season of blessing and fruitfulness in the church's history, right? But we're not. Sad reality is, is different. And I have to ask myself why. We are a preaching site. We believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that God is pleased to use the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. But the apostles gave themselves to both preaching and praying. The Lord has laid it on my heart to put an emphasis on prayer this morning. And as I say, please be patient with me. I believe there is a prayer deficiency in our churches, and in our personal experience today. We still say our prayers, of course, but let's look at some of the images of prayer in Scripture. We have Jacob, who wrestled with the angel of the Lord until the break of day. Listen to that language. The unwillingness of Jacob to let him go where he says, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Or, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Or, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. This language is convicting. Or the Lord himself, in the days of his flesh, who offered up prayers and supplications with what? With strong crying and tears. When we read such words, can you not feel something to be missing? Where is that strong crying and tears, the heart and soul, the passion and the power in our prayer lives? Has the fire gone out completely? To be clear, I'm not talking about, and this I have to be clear, 
about it's not some vain, empty form. It's not as if having passion means just praying louder or having more charisma or frenzy. We're not talking about the empty form. Hannah prayed without uttering a single word. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the heart. We're talking about praying with burden. We're talking about desperation. I think that's the best word. Desperation. Leonard Ravenhill said, God doesn't answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. And we should be desperate. With all that has transpired since our last conference just two years ago, should we be less or more desperate? When we were sitting at Manor Church in Manhattan at our last Foundations Conference, December 2019, no one could ever have predicted or imagined what was just around the corner for the world. God shut down the world with a virus. He did. Every major sporting event was shut down. Incredible. Whether it was NHL, NBA, MLB, PGA, they were all shut down. Billions and billions of dollars in loss. Every theater, every amusement park, every cruise line, every school, every restaurant, every business was shut down. Even churches, churches for the most part, for the most part, sat empty for a while. This is what God did just within the last two years. No one could have imagined this. God was shaking the nations, not just America, the whole world. But did this drive the people to their knees in prayer? No. What have we seen, rather? Well, in Genesis 19, when the men of Sodom were struck with blindness and judgment by the angels, did that stop them? Did that cause them to drop to their knees in repentance because of the obvious judgment that was upon them? No, it says that the angels, they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. They were still trying to find the door. Such was their wicked, unstoppable lust of pleasure that even in the midst of obvious judgment, they still tried to pursue their sinful desires. It's the same with our world. Could it be any clearer that the Lord has struck this planet with a great pestilence so that we're seeing massive unrest socially, politically, massive unrest, economically, But instead of dropping to our knees, our world is becoming more wicked than ever. To quote a bit from that program booklet, we are no longer allowed to tell a boy he's a boy or tell a girl she's a girl. The U.S. has begun issuing passports with the ex-gender designation. Statues are being pulled down all across the country in a strange and bizarre attempt to erase our own history. The rise of cancel culture, where even a sitting president can be silenced. In Canada, this is just Breaking news. The C-4 bill has just been unanimously approved in both the House and Senate. This bill forbids even a parent of a child 
to persuade their own son that he's a boy at the risk of imprisonment. This is about to become law in just a few weeks. The target is on our children. It's clear. It's so obvious. Even with their toys. Lego has vowed to remove gender bias from its toys. Sesame Street has introduced a family with two dads in their permanent lineup. DC Comics has revealed Superman now is bisexual and Wonder Woman as having a girlfriend. What is all this insanity? Like Sodom, the world is wearying themselves to find the door, pursuing sexuality and perversity without bounds. While this is going on, many in the so-called church got caught up in the wake of the woke culture, using carnal weapons to fight spiritual warfare. What does God need to do? I'm even asking that question now. What does God need to do to us? It's not just them. To grab us by the collar and get our attention. What, does he, what else does he need to do? I believe he's going to do more. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, Ephesians 5.14. That's a command to us. We are asleep. In Daniel's great prayer, Daniel 9, we read, All this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord. All this evil has come upon us, but incredibly, we did not make our prayer before the Lord. What can we learn from the kings? The good kings, when they faced their critical crisis moments in which they came face to face with desperately impossible situations, consistently they responded in prayer every single time. Not just any prayer either. Corporate prayer. This is the thing that we need to underline. Corporate prayer. They gathered the people to pray. They gathered the people to pray. Consider King Asa when faced with a million-man Ethiopian army. What did he do? He brought all of Judah to Jerusalem. And they entered into a covenant, a solemn promise to do what? To seek the Lord God of their fathers With all their heart and all their soul and all their desire. Those words are in the Bible. That's an emphasis on this earnestness in prayer. King Jehoshaphat, in his day, it wasn't the Ethiopians, it was the Moabites and the Ammonites. This great multitude from beyond the sea, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. United prayer. And if that weren't enough, it says Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones their wives, and their children gathered the people together. In Hezekiah's day, probably the most fearsome and formidable of foes with the Assyrians and Sennacherib, this was an army that prided itself in its cruelty 
and its torturous ways. We know this because it's depicted on the palace walls. And uh, they would do the most awful things using fear and psychological warfare to terrorize their enemies. And it worked. They were now parked outside the walls of Jerusalem. This impossible monster of an army. What do you think King Hezekiah is going to do? What military strategy is going to have against this? You know what he did? He called a prayer meeting with Isaiah the prophet. Thank God he had Isaiah the prophet to pray with. Second Chronicles 32 verse 20 says, And for this cause Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. There's your earnestness. The end of that story was a mighty deliverance. The very next morning, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were found dead. This is the power of God and this is the power of prayer. And we are insane to substitute that kind of power with anything man-made. King Uzziah, last king, 2 Chronicles 26.5, it said of young King Uzziah, 16 years old, that he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Another, another prophet who knew the Lord, influencing this young king. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So what is the call to action? Lay it before you. As the kings teach us, united prayer, united prayer, corporate prayer, gathering God's people together to pray. But as we noted at the beginning, it's not just even that. It's prayer with heart and soul and burden and Real desperation. In the words of Jonathan Edwards, extraordinary prayer. In 1748, Jonathan Edwards published a little book that may not be well known to many of us today. It's called, in short, An Humble Attempt. It's what you're holding in your hands. Be sure to pick it up if you don't have yours. What was this humble attempt? What was Jonathan Edwards attempting to do? The full title helps us. An humble attempt to promote something. To promote explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in what? In extraordinary prayer. For the revival of religion and the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. In page 33 of this book, Edwards makes the case that given the... Given the extraordinary circumstances that the church finds itself in, the providence of God is loudly calling upon us to united, extraordinary prayer to God. Don't miss that. Given what's going on in the world, these are not just, just news. It's not just headlines. It's the providence of God 
calling on his people, like alarm bells going off, to prayer. Edward saw this as the clear biblical pattern and the only answer to an impossibly lost culture. So, at the last Foundations Conference, we sought to follow this pattern as set down by Edwards to set aside time consistently and deliberately to meet together to pray. Not to go through merely a list of temporal needs, but to focus squarely on the bigger kingdom desire to see God's name made great throughout all the world. Malachi 1.11, From the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name. That speaks of prayer. Imagine a day when in every place, in every nation, God's people are gathering together to offer incense unto His name in prayer. We're praying for prayer meetings to be started up. We began in January 2020 and this, our, our initiative with just a handful of individuals but are now a group of 70 saints from all over the world gathering together to pray over Zoom at noon each day. We call this United Prayer. And many of them are here and we're thankful for them. And we pray every day and we've knit our hearts in a tremendous way in real Christian love. But you know what the most difficult thing is about, about that effort? It's not just getting to the prayer meeting. You know what the most difficult thing is? It's keeping our hearts warm. It's to keep this thing from becoming a cold, mechanical piece of machinery. That is the most difficult challenge. Keeping the fire lit. And it's a warfare. But in conclusion, this is simply a call to take up the fight like never before, using the weapons that are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. United, extraordinary prayer. I'm not even talking about our online prayer meeting. You're very welcome to join us. Just go to Sermon Audio. You'll see the link there. You're very welcome to join us. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm primarily really talking about the local church. So this is an encouragement, please, for churches everywhere who hears the sound of this talk to take seriously this matter of united prayer in the church it seems like it's, if I can say it this way, it's a lost art. Gathering people together to pray seems like the least attended meeting of the church. But even if it's just with two or three individuals to begin with, pray that God will set those two or three people on fire. Give you burden and desperation, even two people. Can you imagine? And watch what God will do. A.T. Pearson says, There has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. 
We have only one life, as I said. Work for the night is coming. Awake, Christian, and arise to this call. I was reading this morning in God's good providence in Psalm 44, my Bible reading. Just read this here. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old. Isn't that the truth? All we have is the stories that our fathers have told us. It seems that all we have is relegated to the pages of history. We don't have any stories to tell for ourselves, to our children. This is what God did for me. Maybe some of you have, praise the Lord. But I want stories to tell my children. I don't want to just say, yes, God did this back in the 1700s. Wasn't that wonderful? psalmist goes on to say, how thou didst drive out the heathen, you know, itemizing all the great things God did. And then he says, thou art my king, O God. That king is my king. Command deliverance for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Language of victory. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. Ah, but then he says, but thou hast cast us off. Put us to shame. Thou hast given us like sheep for meat. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn, a derision to them that are round about us. A byword among the heathen. Isn't this the truth? The church is so despised. We have no, we have no respect in the eyes of the world. You know, that, that didn't used to always be the case. But we're a byword, a reproach, a scorn, derision. My confusion is continually before me. We're praying, we're praying, we're asking God, we're, we're pleading. So often, at least from my experience, I'm left in confusion. Lord, why, where? All this has come upon us, yet have we not forgotten thee. He finally finishes by saying, Awake! Why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise and cast us not off forever. And that's our prayer. We're asking the Lord to awake. Ephesians, it tells us to awake. We're asking the Lord to awake and arise. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. There's one last thing that I want to mention. Since our last conference, my former pastor, Dr. Alan Cairns, passed away. No one was more instrumental in shaping my own love for great preaching than my own pastor, Dr. Cairns. And that should be true of your pastor, too. The existence of Sermon Audio itself can be attributed in large part to his influence on my life. It is for this reason I felt it fitting to close this talk with... A brief clip from one of his sermons on prayer. I hope it warms your heart. It will be followed by another clip by an Australian commentator, Martin Isles, very popular man in Australia, as well as another preacher on sermon audio, John Speed. Just a few seconds long, these clips, followed by a final clip by Dr. Cairns. I would ask you to please listen carefully. There is something radically 
missing from most of what's going on in our fundamental and in our reformed churches nowadays. And that is a genuine experience of the Spirit of God. And they have got their way of doing this and their principles for doing the other thing. And that's all we need. And it's not all we need. There is such a thing as an overwhelming, shattering, life-changing experience of the power of God the Holy Spirit. And without that, we're going nowhere fast in the work of God. And we have got to come to terms with that. Can we please be praying? All of us, and we should be doing this constantly. It troubles me a great deal, you know. In the book of Revelation, we read of massive judgments on the earth, including plagues which affect vast swathes of the planet, as much as a third of the planet. And this is the condemnation on the people after such events. Yet still, even then, in that crisis, they did not turn to God. Can I ask, why is the church not leading the way in turning to God over this? Why is there not overwhelming prayer in the face of this pandemic? We've watched churches shut down. We've watched businesses shut down. We've watched suicide go up 600%. That's happening right now. We've watched all of that. We watched the rioting in the streets. And now the West Coast is on fire. What in the name of all that is right is wrong with the pulpit? We cannot act like this is just the new normal. Who's going to do it? We have a problem. As leadership teams, as elders, we must learn to pray. Our churches need to learn to pray. Remember when there used to be prayer meetings? That used to be a thing. How come the prayer meetings haven't come back? Honestly, why aren't we praying? Why aren't churches gathering corporately to pray? I don't understand this. Why? Why? There's obviously in the words, as long as he sought the Lord, there's a distinct limitation here. God blesses you as long as you pray. In other words, God is not going to be blessing this church tomorrow because it was praying ten years ago. The level of our prosperity and the enjoyment of what we have in Christ depends on where we are today in the place of prayer. God has so tied his blessing into the praying of his people that when the praying stops, the blessing stops. When the praying declines, the blessing declines. As long as he sought the Lord... God made him to prosper. Thank you very much.